here's a story from The World. Social media platforms have been blowing up with millions of tweets and posts about BTS. The K-pop band celebrated their eighth anniversary over the weekend with a virtual concert. It's not clear how many people paid to attend the online concert. A similar show last October pulled in nearly a million views. Joining me to talk about the success of BTS's virtual concerts is music writer Maria Sherman. Maria, you know a lot about boy bands. A virtual concert with many, many people in attendance from time zones all across the world. Has BTS taken this kind of boy band fandom to a whole nother level? Absolutely. The fact that a virtual event can have the same sort of success, if not way more success than a a proper live show, that's totally new. That's absolutely K-pop fascination. That is BTS's success. For a lot of people, including myself, part of seeing live music is about being surrounded by fellow fans. BTS seems to be thriving during the pandemic with these big virtual shows. So are these concerts able to create a sense of community? K-pop, more so than any other teen music phenomenon, at least in my lifetime, really exists online. If anyone is going to success or any entity is going to success in the sort of COVID realm where we can only watch live music digitally, it's going to be an act like BTS. $50 per ticket for the virtual show? Did I see that correctly? Yeah, I think it was 46 and for both days it was 86 so that's uh, that's a lot. But, you know, if you're trying to get front row at a live BTS concert, like in person, it's a lot more than that. So right. you got to kind of uh, find a happy medium there, I guess. So the concert was streamed live from Seoul. People in the U.S. had to wake up at about 5.30 in the morning or earlier to watch, which is real dedication. Um, a lot of fans in North America boasted about waking up early to watch. What What do we know about this audience? Oh, man, I've done it, too. I sometimes joke that I can tell you what time it is in Seoul, but I can't tell you what time it is in L.A. from New York because I'm just so in in this world. Um, In a weird way, I think it actually kind of um, it further legitimizes your experience of fandom because you have to actually commit to this fandom. It It requires work. With all these added extras that fans get from the virtual shows, I mean, do you think that maybe they've been offered so much that they might not want to return to a live show? I kind of struggle to see a fan saying that they don't want to see these guys in person, though I do think there certainly benefits K-pop groups, especially BTS, to continue doing these virtual events. As for fans, whenever they can access BTS, they're going to access BTS, regardless of the medium. It it sounded like you've attended uh, at least one of these BTS virtual live shows. Um, Have you? And what has it meant to you? I have. And it's great because I don't personally, maybe it's because of my age or location. I don't know. I don't have a lot of BTS stands in my physical space, but I do around the country. So we'll do like a Zoom call and we'll watch together. And it's really sort of beautiful communal experience. And I think it even sort of reinforces the idea that K-pop and BTS are a truly global phenomenon. But with BTS, there's something about the sense of borderlessness. It it really feels like you can access all these different places on the planet when you enjoy a group like this. I can't really talk to another group that's made me feel that way. They've changed the game. They've sort of allowed everybody to access them and South Korea and this music. And it's a really beautiful thing. Maria Sherman, author of Larger Than Life, A History of Boy Bands from New Kids on the Block to BTS. She's been speaking with us from Brooklyn. Maria, thank you very much. Thank you.